Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Awesome. Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to be with you today. And first of all, I just want to thank Pastor Ed for leading us in communion. That was a wonderful introduction to what we're going to talk about today, which is the gospel. The title for this message today is More Gospel. And so with that in mind, let's read the first part of our passage today to get a clear understanding of the gospel. Colossians 1, 21 through 23 says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So in week two of our series, Pastor Phil summarized the gospel by saying, we have a sin problem that only Jesus can eradicate. Jesus paid for our sins through his death and burial, and Jesus conquered our sins through his resurrection. And Paul tells us that those who receive this gospel will be saved. And so let me ask you a question. Given our culture today and your perception of the gospel, do you think the gospel is moving forward or losing impact in our world today? Let me share a statistic with you that might influence your answer. In September of 2022, so just last year, the Pew Research Center published a report titled Modeling the Future of Religion in America. Now, you'll see a slide on the screen. I don't expect you to read all of those words, but I want you to just focus on that trend line. According to their poll, nearly one-third of people raised in the Christian faith become religiously unaffiliated before turning age 30. Okay, an additional 7% leave the Christian faith after age 30. And so if recent trends continue, Christians could make up less than half of the U.S. population within a few decades. Do you think the gospel is moving forward or losing impact in our world today? Well, based on that alarming news, one might assume that the gospel is losing impact. 
that people don't see the gospel message as significant to their lives, and so they turn away from their childhood faith. But let me share with you a more encouraging study. This past year, Barna conducted the largest study in its history. They surveyed 24,870 teens across 26 countries to understand teens' perceptions of and engagement with three crucial elements of the Christian faith. Okay, Jesus, the Bible, and justice. Okay, we're going to focus on Jesus right now. Here's what they found. It's rare that teens think poorly of Jesus. Okay, here's a quote from the study. The global impression of Jesus is that he is trustworthy, generous, wise, peaceful, and the glowing list goes on. Among biblical characteristics of Jesus that stand out to teens, the top selections stress his forgiving and compassionate nature and his reputation as a teacher and miracle worker. And that is encouraging because curiosity about Jesus is high among teens. This generation is open to Jesus and his gospel. And they want to learn more about Jesus. And we are the ones to show them an authentic gospel with our words and our actions. Now, I am so glad today that our students are here with us worshiping, okay? Because this is a message for all of us. You might be thinking, okay, but what about that first statistic, the one where people are leaving their faith before age 30? Well, here are just some of the documented reasons why a young Christian might abandon their faith. One reason is they've encountered legalism. Okay, legalism reduces faith to a series of do's and don'ts. Okay, do this, don't do that. And so priority is placed on religious rules more than the person of Christ. And so compassion and grace are lacking. Or they are disappointed with themselves. They feel like they can't live up to the expectations of the faith. And so they begin to believe the lie that I am beyond the reach of gospel grace, which of course is not true. Or they've encountered hypocritical Christians. Okay, these are believers who say one thing and do another, which can cause a young person or any of us for that matter, to question the value and the meaning of faith if we don't see it lived out in the life of a Christian. A young Christian might abandon their faith if they've experienced significant suffering. When someone experiences suffering, they can start to believe the lie that God is not good and start to question how could a good God allow suffering? We're going to talk about that today. And lastly, they haven't felt freedom to ask questions regarding their faith. And what all of those reasons have in common 
is a misappropriation and misrepresentation of the true gospel. Because those reasons are based on the assumption that if people let me down, God has let me down. I want to say that again. It's based on the assumption that if people let me down, God has let me down. And the problem with that assumption is that some people will let us down and misrepresent Jesus. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. Our sin separates us from God, but that's where Jesus bridged that gap. And Satan wants us to believe the lie that Jesus is not enough, that the gospel has no real power or significance in our lives. And maybe you've wrestled with that, or maybe you are wrestling with that, but wherever you are on your faith journey, I invite you today to consider how the true gospel of Jesus transforms lives, your life and the lives of those around you. I want to convey two main points to you today. So if you remember nothing else, these two points, that the gospel offers more than our eternal security. And number two, that the gospel in action offers authentic life transformation. So you've likely heard John 3.16, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So the gospel does offer our eternal security. But as we'll see in our passage today, Paul explains that there is evidence of authentic life transformation beyond our eternal security. So in other words, going to heaven is not the only benefit of the gospel. As if saving us from our sins wasn't enough, Jesus provides more. How? Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is the promise of John 3.16. And Paul reminds us that when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, securing our eternal home in heaven, he takes up residence in us by the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. That's the reason the gospel transforms the life of a Christ follower. Because we carry a piece of the divine in our body, which transforms us from the inside out. And so if we are truly following Jesus, the Spirit changes the orientation of our heart, which we then live out through our actions. We no longer obey out of an obligation or simply just following rules of morality, but rather out of a grateful heart for what he did for us on the cross. We get to serve him and we get to live generously 
And we get to experience the promise of eternal life right now. Because eternal life doesn't begin at death. It doesn't begin when we die. Eternal life begins when we put our faith in Jesus. John 10.10 says, I love this verse. It says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So eternal life is not a quantity of time, but a quality of life. It's the assurance that God has not only saved you and me, but his spirit lives in you and me. And we get to share that love with others as we live out the fullness of the gospel. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we truly live that out, I am confident that we would see a shift in that trend line because this next generation is open to Jesus. So let's walk through our passage for today, starting with Colossians 1, 21, where Paul is describing our past condition. Okay, he writes, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. So now, ever since creation, people have been separated from God because of sin. The sin of Adam and Eve became our sin, and we try to cover up and hide just like they did. We were alienated from him by our own choosing, not by his. Notice that Paul says we were enemies in our minds, okay, not God's mind. We turned our back on God. God never turned his back on us. So then Paul pivots and begins to talk about our present condition. The phrase, but now, has huge implications. He writes, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. So through Jesus' death on the cross and our repentance, we are reconciled. We are redeemed. We are restored. We are made right with God. So rather than send us away, God restores us back into a right relationship with him. For what purpose? Well, in his book, More Jesus, Michael DeFazio writes, because of Christ's death on the cross, there is now no reason for you to feel out of place in God's presence or to fear the day when you will find yourself there. You have been bathed in God's grace through the substitutionary death of Jesus. He died the death that you deserved. You are now like a person brought before a judge or a king to be sentenced only to find out that in casual gossip, no one, even in casual gossip, no one says a word against you. You are holy. You are blameless. You are innocent. And so through Jesus' death on the cross, we have been reconciled if 
Now, verse 23 presents a condition. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. And so verse 23 is a reminder of our role in reconciliation. God is the one working in us, but we have to live out our faith and the hope of the gospel through our actions. Because that is the evidence of a faithful life. That is how others will see Christ in us. God is the source of love, but I have to do the loving. And God is the source of faithfulness, but I have to live faithfully. And Paul is calling for our faithfulness, and he leads us by example. Because notice how Paul serves the Colossians in order to bring the gospel to them and to us today. It's through suffering. Verse 24 says, Paul's labor for the church. Now, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, Paul did not mean that there was something lacking in Christ's suffering. Rather, he meant that his personal suffering doesn't even come close to the level of suffering that Christ endured. Paul's own suffering is what he considered to be lacking, which is significant because while Paul is writing this letter, he is under house arrest. Okay, he was beaten, stoned, and much more, all for the sake of Christ. Yet Paul viewed his suffering as a way that he could participate in the redemptive work of Christ in this world. Paul used his sufferings to encourage others in their troubles. And he rejoiced in his sufferings knowing that they were drawing him close to Jesus. Now, all of us can probably think of someone we know who has suffered immensely or is suffering immensely, but with their faith strong and intact. I think of some of you who have encouraged me as I have watched you draw near to God in the midst of suffering. And when we see that, it, it bolsters us. It encourages us to press on in our faith because faith that is established and firm is proof of a transformed life in the power of the gospel. We are called to live out our suffering like Paul did so that others will see Christ in us and witness the hope of the gospel. So Paul goes on to share another proof of gospel transformation in verses 25 through 27. He writes, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. 
To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So this mystery is that the gospel is for everyone. It's multi-ethnic because it's not just for Jews, but for Gentiles as well. Ephesians 3, 6 says it this way, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. And what are the glorious riches of this mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now this you is actually plural, okay? It's like saying Christ in us, all right? We tend to read that as Christ in me, when actually it means Christ in all of us, the church, the body of Christ, because God intends for there to be unity in the diversity of the body of Christ. And so let me ask you, does the world see proof of that unity in our lives through how we treat one another. Because Christ in all of us is the hope of glory. God shows his glory, his presence, and his ability to transform believers in him, in this world, through the lives of Christians. My life and yours should be an advertisement for Jesus. His spirit should be displayed through me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's why those traits are called the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of the man or the fruit of the woman, because I can't produce that kind of fruit in my life without Christ in me. We are imperfect people living in an imperfect world and maturing toward dependence on Jesus. And this is where our actions speak louder than our words. When I depend on Jesus and follow his ways, he will start transforming me from the inside out. And this should impact everyone around me. My life and your life become proof of the authenticity of the gospel. And Paul wanted everyone to know about this gospel message. And so he concluded this chapter by saying, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul brings the gospel to us through his actions and his words, and he calls us to do the same. We are to take every opportunity to proclaim the gospel. Now, Benjamin Watson, a committed Christian and a former Super Bowl champion, 
provides an example of this that we can all learn from. Watson was interviewed by Anderson Cooper following DeMar Hamlin's life-threatening life injury just a few weeks ago right here in Cincinnati. And with humility and grace, Watson pointed millions of viewers to the hope of the gospel. At the start of this two-minute clip, Watson is answering the question, did he think about the possibility of getting injured when he would step out onto the field? So let's take a look at this clip. Very sober, and it's a scary part of the game. And I think what you saw was just the reaction of players when their brother went down, somebody who they've eaten meals with and they've bled with and they've gone through training camp with and somebody that you truly get to know and get to love. And so that's why you see both sides. Like it didn't matter that one team was from Cincinnati, one team was from Buffalo. When something happens within the brotherhood, there's a hurt there. But, you know, part of the reason, as you mentioned before, that we pray before we go out is number one for unity. Uh, but also we understand that we aren't in control of everything. To me, it's such a, a, a reminder not only of the, you know, the violence of, of that is at you know, the heart of the game of football, but it's the frailty of human life that that somebody in their prime, an incredible athlete at the top of their game, life can change in the blink of an eye. And, you know, and it can for all of us. You're exactly right. Uh, these times bring us face to face with our own mortality. And we all have a, a day to be born and we all have a day to die. And so often in, the, in between those two points, we feel invincible. Whether you're a professional athlete, <laughs> whether you're at the top of uh, your profession, uh, whether you're feeling healthy, you understand that sometimes there's a reminder that, hey, all of us have an appointment with death. But I think after that, it also makes us realize where are we? Where do our hearts stand? If that were to be us laying on the field or if that were to be us laying in a hospital, what would our next steps be? And so on the flip side, with such a tragic event, there is tremendous opportunity. Uh, part of my prayers right now, Anderson, is for the players in both of those locker rooms, for the chaplains who I know very well, who are right now uh, counseling and comforting players who saw a brother in a near-death experience and who was still fighting for his life because the questions about what happens after this life? Where will you spend eternity? As you mentioned, Anderson, are coming up for all of us, not just for the football players, but thank God that he provides an answer through his son, Jesus Christ. Mm. Also, it makes one think of what would you, what would you do different? Watson was ready to proclaim the hope of the gospel, and he did so with incredible empathy and humility. And as he pointed out, every single one of us has to face our own mortality. When the clip cuts off, Anderson Cooper had added that such events make people think, what would you do differently in your life now? if suddenly you knew your end was near. And to put that in context of what we've been talking about today, how does your understanding that the gospel is more than eternal security make you rethink your own life and how you carry yourself in this world? 
Paul is making a similar challenge to us in our passage today. His vision for the gospel spelled out in Colossians doesn't stop at our eternal security because that is not how the gospel moves forward. We have a higher calling to present everyone fully mature in Christ. And so we help others mature by manifesting the fruit of his spirit through how we treat one another. And so what does that look like practically? Okay, how do we do that? Well, we encourage and pray for one another. We live in community. We show up with a meal. We babysit to help a young parent, or we get involved in safe families. We are quick to listen. We respect others who hold a different political view. We apologize and we admit when we're wrong. We forgive. We invite neighbors over for dinner. We are generous with our time and our money because we recognize it's all his anyway. We install smoke alarms like the second Saturday serve team did a few weeks ago. We value all people. We take care of people on the margins and we suffer, but with hope and purpose. And we share our stories of life change. We are uncomfortable in this world at times because we are called to live for more. That is true gospel-centered living. And so our big idea for today is the gospel is good news of transformed lives. Your life and the lives of those around you. Friends, curiosity about Jesus is high among teens across the world. This next generation is looking to us and to our lives, and they're deciding if the gospel is worth pursuing. So when they see an authentic gospel lived out in our lives, when they see Christ in us, that is how we move the gospel forward for generations to come. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you are good. Lord, thank you for your sacrifice on the cross so that we might be reconciled. Lord, help us to live out our faith, reflecting your love and your grace. Please fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that when people look at our lives, they will see you. It's in the precious and powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.